Counting the uh, Omer to Pentecost is such a beautiful tradition and discipline. I hope you're engaging with that every day and reminding yourself of the cost of your redemption, your salvation, as you move out of your own personal Egypts of sin and shame and into the power and glory of freedom in Jesus, living unencumbered from, from addictions to sin and shame, right? Living as free men and free women. women. So uh, be engaged in this and move forward with us in the counting of the Omer. All right, so I'm in uh, a series on our Shavuot Pentecost journey, shall I say. This is part two in the Pentecost series. It's entitled, Evil Has a Name. Evil Has a Name. In the second and the greater Exodus, we learn that this fallen world has an architect and a king, the serpent of old, the fallen one, the originator of evil. And he has various descriptors. The most common are the serpent, the devil, or Satan. He's been here since our beginning, and he's taken control of our world through our own sin and rebellion to God. He is a bitter and evil being bent on enslaving us and ultimately has the intent to destroy us. But God so loved the world that he sent us his son as a divine liberator and deliverer. And Jesus has come to set us free from this evil tyranny and to destroy, to destroy his works. It is a brutal war over our souls between the one who loves us and the one who hates us. This is our exodus. This is your exodus. An exodus, an exodus from the rule and reign of the evil one. An exodus which includes a battle that we who desire to be free must fight. And fight we will. Because the life that Jesus is offering us the freedom that he's extending to us is worth fighting for. So we've got a part in this. We got to do something. If we don't, we'll stay stuck in our sin and shame. Even though we're saved, stuck living as slaves to the tyranny of the evil one. No, I say fight we will. We will fight and we will win the day through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're picking this up from last week, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 17. Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. There is a devil and he's scheming. He has plans for you. He wants to ultimately woo you from God, deceive you, seduce you, pull you into slavery to sin and shame, and then snuff your life out. That's who he is. That's what he does. He says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. He's the author and the originator of evil, of all that is wrong and twisted and malignant. He hates God. And all that is good, 
all that is right, that which is straight and full of life. He hates it. He's a liar, and in fact, he's the father of lies. John 8.44 says this, Jesus speaking to those who were accusing him. You are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. What's a lie? Simply put, a falsehood. God is the father of truth, and we all have a hunger for truth. God made us to desire truth. It's deep within every human being. We desire truth. The enemy comes to undermine truth. The enemy, he comes to deceive and supplant the truth with that which is false. He is the father of falsehoods. He questions the word. He comes to us and and tries to tempt us to question the word. That's how he seduced our parents in the garden. He got them first just to simply question the word. He then distorts it. He then twists it and then ultimately will cast it to the ground. His agenda is to usurp for himself the rule and reign of God and then degrade and enslave all of us through sin and shame. Sin is a, is a, is a taskmaster. Sin, if you submit to it over a period of time, it will own you. It will rule you. It'll, it'll control you. That's the nature of sin. And Satan wants to control and degrade humanity and bring them into slavery to him through sin. So he comes along to deceive, to distort the word of God, and supplant the word of God. He's a perverter of the truth. He changes the truth. He twists it. Just think of sexuality and gender ideas today, right? Even churches are getting confused. Entire church denominations are getting confused and seduced by this. And then they're splitting because those within the church are saying, no, 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 no. That's not truth. That's falsehood. That's a perversion of truth. And so churches are splitting over the definitions of sexuality and gender as I speak. The harvest is not confused. We are not confused. The truth of the matter, humanity is binary in sex and gender. Biological males, we have a chromosome, XY. Biological females, XX. That's just biology. That's just the fact of the matter. That is the truth and essence of that which we can test and know. Now, there are rare cases of the disorder of sexual development, which today is referred to with the term intersex and with what Jesus referred to as eunuchs by birth. Yet this whole issue of, of, of sexual disorders due to genetic problems, right? We're, we're, we're in a fallen world. 
a fallen race and we have disease and illness and disorders and genetic uh, maladies. And so when you look at this, intersex as a, as a sexual disorder has been with us from the beginning. It's nothing new. Jesus speaks about this when he gives the teaching on eunuchs, eunuchs that are eunuchs because they made themselves that way, eunuchs that are born that way or are born without any potential to procreate. Um, this, this has been with us for quite some time. But the issue of disorder does not in any, or in any way negate order. In fact, disorder as a rare occurrence highlights what order actually is. And we're called to be compassionate in a broken world with those who are not whole due to disease or sickness or genetic defects, to have compassion and understanding and to embrace within the covenant community those that have those conditions. One of the prophets, I believe it might have been Isaiah, actually says concerning eunuchs, that they're going to receive a greater reward than those who can marry and procreate. That God's, God's going to compensate for people that have suffered uh, uh, as a result of genetic defects. Now, getting back to this issue of, of, of evil. Evil is seen in our world, in the twisting and distorting of what the Bible defines as male and female. There's a redefinition of that. That's simply a perversion of the truth. A redefinition of marriage, of family, of personhood, morality itself, right? And ethical norms. The social consequences of redefining these ideas and truths are the complete breakdown of order, decency, peace, and prosperity. Freedoms are lost, economic opportunities diminished, a culture of insanity and lawlessness will ultimately uproot the, the sanity of lawfulness. On the heels of that, social unrest, hatred, and violence. Ultimately, crime dramatically increases in a culture of lawlessness, leading to revolution, civil wars, which will bring a nation down. And if they don't, oftentimes, because the nation is weakened, enemies of a nation will invade to take the spoils. We are on that path. We are well down that path right now as a nation. Keep in mind that Satan comes only to lie, to seduce, steal, and destroy. It's his nature. That, that's who he is. That's what he does. This is his identity. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He, he'll bargain with you. He'll make promises. He'll appear as an angel of the light, angel of the light but make no mistake about it, he's a killer. He's a murderer. He's coming only to steal your life. Evil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now think about it. Think about the attack that's going on right now in America, in our culture, right? Think about our biological and spiritual identities that are under attack. 
the number of those who now identify as transgender has skyrocketed in the last 10 years. In fact, the last few years, if you look at the rise of transgenderism in America, it's, it's just shocking. And you can look at the different categories. In fact, I had one of my elders give me a, uh, a chart this morning on it, kind of the updated chart on, on the rise of tra transgenderism in America. It's just shocking. And the pain and the misery that it has caused is enormous. And it's led a growing number of transgenders to suicide. Yeah, it's so sad. Our job is to pray. Our job is to pray and reach out in compassion to those who have been lied to. We can bring hope and healing to them through the good news of Jesus. And we can help restore meaning and purpose, peace and joy in their lives. This threat, this attack is against our children. The answer, what are we going to do, right? The answer is this. We're going to help our children encounter the love of Jesus. Mom and dad, our job is to help them encounter the person of Jesus, his love, his mission. They need an encounter with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus first and foremost. And then we need to help them get grounded in the word of God. Jesus says the word is truth. Sanctify them in thy word. Thy word is truth. One of the synonyms of Torah is truth. God is a God of love and compassion and mercy, and he's also a God of truth. When you live in, in relationship to the truth, you find meaning and purpose. When you live in contrast to the truth, you find brokenness, misery, pain, and ultimately, no desire to live. Ground your kids in the word. We have Torah time for kids. They're down there right now. We boiled the Torah down to their basic understanding. They're learning the ways of God right now in those ministries. That, that's one of our key ministries. If we don't teach our children, the harvest is over in one generation. The reason the harvest is going to go on, along with many other churches, is because we're investing in the next generation. We have to teach our children. You cannot be passive. The world will steal them. The enemy will lie and steal them right out from underneath you. You have to be proactive. So govern what they watch on TV. Mom and dad, you have to govern that. You have to, you have to be aware of what they're watching. Be invested in, in figuring out what it is and what those, what those you know, uh, media productions are pushing. And say yes or no. You govern that. They're the children, you're the parent. You're not a peer. You're not a friend. Don't be a friend. You're a parent. You govern what they watch on TV. You govern what they watch on the internet. You know, you know these, these, these devices, unbelievable. You know, I, I, think, I think to myself, if I was a parent today of young kids, I'd say, you know what, I'm going to buy you an iPhone for your birthday. 18th birthday, that is. 18th. And even then, I'm going to help you with that. I see these kids going around, young kids with iPhones, and you know how easy it is on the internet to just get into some dangerous places. Know what the curriculum of your school is. 
related to sex education. When it comes to sex education, know what your, your, your school is teaching. And if they have a radicalized version of sex ed, which most schools do, you can opt out. You can go and say, hey, I want to have my child opt out of sex ed. And when they said, well, why? You just say, I'm sorry, I'm not here to answer your questions. I'm the parent. Opt them out. I'll teach them myself. Don't give them anything. Don't give them anything that they can turn around and somehow use against you as a parent, maybe even taking legal action against you. No, you just tell them, no, opt to my child out. And if you don't, you'll be talking to my attorney. And then they'll do that. Opt them out. You teach them yourself. You have to do this yourself nowadays. That's how crazy it is. But you can go to places like Focus on the Family. Focusonthefamily.com. Focusonthefamily.com. They have so many beautiful resources for parents that can help teach at different age levels human sexuality from a biblical perspective, marriage from a biblical perspective, family from a biblical perspective. You can go to FRC, FRC.org. Family Research Council, they have a lot of resources too. Those are great starting places. And within those groups, they have links to other groups. So you can get what you need to teach your children some of the basic truths which are going to secure their identities and thus their happiness in life. That's our job as, as parents. We have to do that like never before. Now, Satan wants to steal your spiritual identity too. Not just your biological identity. He wants to steal your spiritual identity. See, our identity spiritually is the image of God. We have the status image of God. We are made in the image of God. Do you know the the highest crime in the Tanakh? You know what the number one greatest sin there is in the Tanakh? It's the premeditated murder of another person. Did you realize that? That's the number one chief sin. And guess what you have to pay? Not a bunch of bulls or calves or whatever. Yeah, you have to give your life. Your life is required. Why? Because you killed God in effigy. See, to kill another human being is to go kill God in effigy because that person has the status image of God. Our identity is the image of God. The enemy wants to say, no, it's not. You're just a species within the greater scope of evolution. There is no God. You're you're just a highly evolved species of animal. And therefore what? There is no morality. There is no truth. It's only what we make it to be. We're all free to live however we want to live because there is no God. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's one of the ways that he seduces people into a narcissistic lifestyle that ends in the demise of their own happiness and ultimately their death. The devil's idea of freedom is to free you from God's compassionate rule and reign and from his royal law. That's how the enemy defines freedom. Freedom from the law of God. Evil comes to steal your purpose in life as well. He wants to take away your purpose in life. 
For the vast majority who are called to marriage and family, the evil one wants to rob you of this fundamental purpose. He offers you the broad, easy path of just living according to your fleshly desires. Eat and drink, sleep in, right? Until you wake up and discover that you were broken, enslaved to drugs or alcohol, sex, foods, power, fame, whatever. You're broken and enslaved. You're in a prison, maybe. Alienated and homeless. This is the work of the evil one. The good news is that Jesus has a plan to deliver you. Deliver you and me from our slave owners to bring healing in our lives, instruction, and freedom. Freedom. And it doesn't matter where your starting place is. You can be in a prison or you can be in, in some powerful, wealthy family clan. But the fact of the matter is, is wherever you're at and wherever you're stuck and wherever sin has a grip on your life, Jesus is the deliverer. He comes to set us free and to build us up, to cause us to rise up above all that stuff. So, in order to come out of our Egypts, it takes some hard work, diligent work. And God gives us the empowerment of his Holy Spirit and the motivation of his grace to do just that. I want to speak to our youth, some of our young people. I want to speak to you today. Youth, give your life to Jesus. Do not postpone that. You give your life to, it's your life. It's not your mom's life. It's not your dad's life. It's not your sibling's life. It's your life. It's precious. Give your life to Jesus. And then graduate from high school. Education is such a fundamental uh, uh, principle of prosperity. When you look at the Torah and what the Torah says about education, it, it, it has so much to say about that. Knowledge is power. Education is important. So after you graduate from high school, take the summer off. You know, take the summer off. And then immediately, without postponement, set your heart on a college or a trade school and further that education. Get in a college or a trade school. A high school education is not enough to make it in today's world. That's a lie from the enemy. Education is power, and power is liberating. So young men... Without an education, you will struggle immensely in life and your pool to choose a solid wife from will be very small, more like a pond, a little swampy, I'm just saying. Young women, without an education, you too will struggle immensely in life and your pool to choose a solid husband from will also be very, very small. You go get a solid license in a trade or a four-year degree or higher, that pool expands exponentially. So get a powerful education, then go get a great-paying job, and after you get a great-paying job, you are now free 
to begin to look for a spouse, and there'll be many to choose from, many to choose from. I, I, told, my, I told my girls, you know, grow up, get an education, then start looking for somebody. But the point is, is if you do that right, you can choose just about anybody you want to choose. It's so liberating to be able to say out of these 150 guys that are all like great guys, you get to choose which one. Education is a part of that. Without it, it diminishes your chance to pursue the very design of God, to find a partner, get married, and build a family. Now, for those who have already skipped that part of life, and you're saying, oh man, shh, I'm older and you know, it's a little late now, right? No, it's never too late. It's never too late. Matthew 7, 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Be among the few who find it. Doesn't matter. Your past doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's with Jesus, what's my path forward? That's what matters. And all things are possible to those who believe. Jesus will give you the motivation and the power and the opportunity to enter into that way of life that is so rewarding. Many people have turned their lives around late in life. It's never too late. It's never too late. Jesus is the way maker. The rest of John 10.10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that we might have life. doesn't matter where we're at. doesn't matter what our starting place is. He came that we would have life abundantly. It's never too start or too late to start to build that abundant life. It's hard. It's not easy. Challenges, but it's worth it. So let's turn our hearts towards the king and build our lives for his glory. Finally, the evil one is a ruthless murderer. He will ultimately kill you if you continue in your love affair with sin. Ultimately, he has a plan to take you out. Do not take him for granted. Here's some important questions for us who love Jesus, who are born again. Why do we have to put on the full armor of God? Aren't we already saved? Aren't we already in the kingdom of God? Aren't we already covered and under the power of the Holy Spirit? Why do we have to put on the armor of God? Here's the answer. We have to put it on because we're in the crosshairs of the evil one. He's not aiming at the lost. They're already lost. He's aiming at you and me, those who are born again. We're the threat to his kingdom and dominion. And he'll do anything and everything to seduce you away from God in his ways, to steal your peace and joy. He is a master of sorrow and misery. His goal is to take your life away from you. His kingdom is a kingdom of bondage to sin, sorrow, misery, and death. And he has a plan specifically for you and yours to woo you away from God and into the realm of sin, misery, and death. That's why Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's slide 27. 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We get strong in the Lord by spending time with him. Do that daily. Don't take it for granted. There's a war going on. If you're not paying attention out walking through the meadow, just know your, your, your head is in his scope. What are you doing? Just dallying around, right? We need to get strong in the Lord, spend time with him daily, be in his word, worship, pray, study, and apply it to our lives. And then most importantly, join a Bible-believing church. We get strong in the Lord through fellowship on hikes, right? Kari's going to do a hike. They're going to go up and hike in the mountains. And there's going to be so much fellowship and the joy of the Spirit and some dialogue about just how, how good the Lord is and, and questions and answers. I mean, what we do as a church is we engage one another so that together we can get strong in the Lord. We have corporate study times here. Yeah. You can't study alone. You'll, you'll, you'll come up with crazy ideas. You got to come and take what you're studying on your home and present it to the community in midrashes and let other people interact with you and your idea in that public forum of midrash. And that's how we learn. That's how we grow. And then, of course, serving one another. We get strong in the Lord when we serve one another. Serve every week. I used to serve every week before I became a pastor. I was always serving every week. I always wanted to serve. It's the path of Jesus. He came to serve. So find a place and serve every week. Now, you don't have to serve every week in the children's ministry because then you wouldn't be up here. So if you're going to choose the children's ministry, you only have to serve once a month. And then you can find something else you can do the other three weeks here and still be in the service. But serve. Pour yourselves out to one another. Now, there's a word for those who run alone. Okay? Give me one word for those who run alone, don't need a church. Lunch. That word is lunch, 1 Peter 5.8. Be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Go watch National Geographic. Yeah, those lions, they pace back and forth. They all just come out at night too. They try to get anything to bolt from the herd. And whatever bolts from the herd and runs on its own is lunch. You got to run with the pack. Got to be in a church. Got to be plugged in. Got to be committed. Run with the pack. You'll be safe. You run alone, lunch. Okay. So in the weeks to come, we're going to unpack the armor of God. We're going to learn about each piece and its importance, how to put it on, we will engage the enemy and overcome him in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, and in our pursuit of happiness. And we're going to lead many captives to freedom in Jesus. This is our mandate. Together, as we share our faith and gather people into the kingdom, we will overcome the evil one. Shabbat shalom.